Welcome to Insights for Manufacturing, a podcast that supports the UK manufacturing sector. Hosted by Jeff Beecham, the manufacturer's recruiter. Hello and welcome to Insights for Manufacturing. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Steve Parker. Uh, Steve is the owner and director at Steve Parker ICD, which is International Company Development. And Steve's a radio presenter of the Business Hour at Black Country Radio. And uh, I, I understand a manufacturing advocate as well. So welcome to the show, Steve. How are you today? Uh, thank you, Jeff. Thanks for inviting me on. I've, I've been uh, listening into your insights for manufacturing and uh, it's always good. I've just got one or two really good people to follow, though, haven't I? So that's a bit nervous. <laughs> Uh, well, we've had some great guests on the show, and uh, I, I always say to people, this this is a, I always find it a great learning experience for myself, let alone the audience. Uh, so I, I love having different people on the show, different backgrounds, different perspectives, and, and different sort of uh, areas of expertise. So I'm really looking forward to our our discussion today. Thanks. So, given what's happening in the world at the moment, Steve, all the global events, uh, you know, weakness of UK sterling. What's bubbling in, in the world of international trade and export right now? Uh, loads, actually. And uh, what's fascinating with what I do, I get in my inbox every day of the week uh, media and market intelligence from, from around the world because I need it for my job. And it, it's kind of a great distraction to, to our media here who are currently going through a bit of a gloom and despondency uh, trend or Maybe they've always been like that and we just didn't realise it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think if you're involved in international trade, uh, we're seeing a lot happening, um, particularly globally around the world. There's been the concern over power and energy. Uh, but uh, it's been interesting to see that in a number of parts of the world, the Middle East, the Far East and parts of USA, um, it was just wasn't treated as an emergency in those senses. It, it caused people some problems with, with higher costs of manufacturing for sure. Uh, their prices and their costs of, of energy have dropped significantly and have dropped much earlier than they've chosen to drop them in the UK. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's been that bit. Uh, there's obviously been the resolution of supply issues uh, around the world, the shortages in manufacturing of semiconductors and things like that have happened globally um, and I guess one of the points I want to make is first of all those of us who are involved in in international trade and global trade are used to these things happening we know they're generally short term and it's fascinating without being political in any way to see how fast other countries seem to respond and the way they take it on um, but you're right in terms of sterling it you know, our media were saying it was the lowest it had ever been or it had been forever, but it bounced back within the a few days. And whilst um, countries' currencies are always, uh, while they choose to let them behold them to speculators, it's always going to go up and down. And I've been in international trade for 35, 40 years now. We're just used to it. Of course, a positive for it is, is that the pound against the dollar is still at a relatively low level. Yeah. And... A large part of the world, a large part of the world's currencies are tied to the dollar, officially or unofficially. So all of the Middle East currencies are linked to the dollar, or most of the Far East ones are. And that gives opportunities and encouragement for people in those countries to, 
to place bigger orders and to uh, and to be more interested in sterling because um, as a guide, we're used to the dollar being about 165 to the pound, uh, 140, 130 in recent times. Yeah. Um, what a great time to place orders for British for British products when they can get it at 113, 115. Um, Absolutely. That's 10, 15 percent cheaper. So there's some great opportunities, um, but some ongoing problems. I think what's getting better as well is uh, countries globally uh, have got a bit fed up with being beholden to a Chinese supply chain and realized that having to pay six or eight or 12 months in advance for your product from China isn't great for your cash flow. Yeah. So uh, there's lots more manufacturing developing around the world and UK manufacturers can take advantage of that with their expertise and with their supply chain. So uh, absolutely, um, yeah, lots happening in all sorts of parts of the world now. Good, it's an exciting time. It's it's got its challenges, obviously, but uh, where where there's challenges, there are always opportunities. <laughs> yeah. So from a from a UK manufacturing perspective, Steve, where you know geographically, where are the hot spots that you're seeing for opportunity for UK manufacturers to develop international business? Are there, are there any sort of trends or? you know, key sort of hot areas, you know, for opportunity there? Uh, yeah, and I think um, it's been developing and consistently over the years. One of the things that both the C word and, I, I don't know, tankers getting, in inverted commas, accidentally stuck in the Suez Canal, which wasn't <laughs> accidental at all. People have realised that com combining that, then there's a need to manufacture or to finish in their own countries, fundamentally exporting. You don't need to be a chief economist of anybody very important with with a shirt, with a shirt and tie and braces to realise that if the more countries can make themselves and sell overseas, the more money they have coming into their economy and they are then less beholden to food security issues, which came about during COVID yep. or or manufacturing issues. So um, the Middle East, uh, throughout the Middle East, they've been developing and expanding free zones and developing their manufacturing. So lots of opportunities for British manufacturers to help with their expertise, maybe not to be able to help with, with low value mass produced stuff, because you know, it'll take a while to flush out moving away from China, but yeah. they could still do it with, with, with better payment terms and better availability and higher technical stratification. And the Far East is the same. Uh, lots happening with increase in manufacturing in Malaysia, in Singapore, in Thailand, in Indonesia. And the other great opportunity that is coming out, and I've, I've been running a programme for the Thai government on internationalisation and innovation. And privately, um, rather than publicly, a lot of those companies don't want to be beholden to China. This isn't an anti-Chinese rant at all. No, of um, course. So where, whereas before they would have thought, well, the UK can't compete on price. Um, now they want to spread their supply chain. And that includes looking at Europe and look, includes looking at the UK just because it's a better strategic thing to do for their companies. So there are opportunities for UK manufacturers to, with with help from me, I'll, I'll obviously say that, won't I, to to get involved in manufacturing, either setting up operations in 
the Middle East and the Far East or USA. And because those economies want to encourage more of that and they want to encourage more from a, a trusted source, if you like, mm. then it's possible to set up there, set up with finishing, work with people who are finishing products and repatriate um, all of your all of your profit and all of your your money back whereas previously uh, it wasn't so uh, yeah. some some good opportunities for that around the world i, I guess it's the, the sort of de-risking exercise that a lot of businesses are, are, are sort of going through at the moment you know globally mm. and we, i know you know organizations in the uk are doing that at the moment you know we we won't be able to get away from importing goods we shouldn't you know we need a variety of of supply but it's that de-risking uh it's, it's so important you know i think a lot of a lot of countries and and hundreds of thousands of businesses globally have just been caught with their trousers down haven't they you know we've just got so used to relying on low-cost countries and and the bulk of our you know the volume of manufacturing coming predominantly from china um yeah. Yeah, it's it's about. I think we need a bit more balance. I think that's the word I like to use. Is things have just got out of balance, and we need to sort of um, rein that in a little bit back in back in our favour. So um, yeah, and and to give and to have the confidence and to bring the confidence back. Let's face it, again, steering away from being political. Fifteen twenty years ago, UK manufacturers were be, were being bombarded by the message that they couldn't compete with Chinese and that they should move their manufacturing over to Central Europe. All of that was politically driven by China and Europe. And um, I think a number of the manufacturers lost confidence in being able to do it. Now, let's, let's hope the confidence can come back. There are yeah. enough successes. Exports of manufacturing globally are increasing significantly were the world were the ninth largest manufacturer in the world and that's pretty good for what's essentially a small triangle on a very big globe absolutely uh, so uh, let's hope that can come back and there's the trust factor and uh, and the reliability factor which makes it uh, very worthwhile looking at it um, you just need um, uh, proper support from people who've been exporting for 40 years like me to uh, take the worry out of some of the things that people are worried about and sh show them how to manufacture. And yeah. like we said at the start, even on currency alone, you know, you can be going to a large part of the world linked to the dollar now with, with a really competitive price to make people try you for the first time, if nothing else. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what are the biggest challenges then, Steve, for UK manufacturers who are looking to export for the first time? Um, they get told it's too difficult. Uh, they get told they have to worry about logistics and being paid and import duties and all of that kind of thing. And they get steered towards what the government uh, departments consider to be starter markets. Mm. The problem is everyone else is going there at the same time. So maybe they're not. There are ways of managing all of the queries and all of the thoughts that they had before. And we're used to it. People like me are used to it because I worked for a number of manufacturers when I was export sales director or export manager for them. Um, there are ways of taking care of all of that. And the message should also be that over a chat, over a cup of tea, for sure you can do loads of research yourself yeah. on markets. Um, 
a great place to start is look people have been told they need a better social media profile and they need a better a better website and that can be found around the world and my frustration is that when people then get an inquiry from overseas like you say they don't know what to do with it they don't you know they think it's a spam they think it's not sensible yeah uh, well one of the things i do on a daily basis is talk to people and say let's have a look at it let's have a look at who's available in the market let's have a look at let's look at who's doing what in those markets already and sometimes you'll find that competitors are already there yeah and somebody will say but i i compete with them in europe or i compete with them in the uk so that means almost certainly you can compete with them in the middle east or the far east or usa this business there to be had the business is there to be had if if you can have somebody working alongside you or even in my case doing it for you showing you how to do it then um the first opportunity your first export could come from what the government tells you is a difficult market and you can develop relationships with people overseas yeah so let's do more of it and the other big thing that i use every single time is i worked for a manufacturer in stoke-on-trent loads of years ago who the chairman kept telling me that i'd got 650 manufacturer competitors in europe and I've got 9,000 worldwide. But if I could get half of 1% of the world market share, we could have four factories instead of two. Yeah. Now, we're not trying to tell people to take over the world here. Um, I've had clients who whose first order was two or three times their turnover. Now, isn't that a nice problem to work with? Um, so you then work with them to do as much of that as you possibly can. And even one of my current ones, um, an executive business magazine that I'm working with, let's imagine they sold a few hundred in their first six months. And the first order I've got them in USA was nearly 2,000. And their second order is 4,000. And that's and that equates to five titles in the company that's buying it because that company just happens to have 590 stores yeah so then we start thinking if we can help them sell 10 titles only 10 titles in the business areas in usa and 10 titles to our client is what make, makes it one of the lowest selling magazines that they happen to distribute yeah but blimey, it's a thrill to us. Absolutely. And blimey, and blimey, what a big... So start off small, uh, start off converting inquiries, start off before you even go out there using people like me to talk you through what it'll be like and how you might do it. Yeah. And uh, rather than, I was going to say waste your time, rather than thinking that some markets are easier than others, they're only more difficult if you haven't got somebody who knows and understands them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the little bit of uh, insider knowledge uh, always helps grease the wheels when, you, when you're getting going, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And gives you the confidence to do it. Absolutely. Particularly if you've been battered by, by the UK media and by being told that you're probably not good enough. Well, yeah, I can tell from people's attitudes whether they're good enough. 
we can verify that from looking at people in the market and we can look at that together because maybe I don't understand all of the technicalities of a manufactured product. But by putting my brains with the brains of the company, yeah, we can think, God, that's got to be worth having a look, hasn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's amazing, you know, if, if all of us listened all the time to mainstream media, I, I don't think anybody would ever do anything because we'd just all be too fearful of... Uh, uh, of not achieving anything, so uh, I, yeah. I try not to we'd, listen too much to the to the mainstream media. I have to admit, we'd be so, we, and and we'd be hiding under the duvet, and also the mainstream media, which let's face it, is accessible by every country in the world. Yeah, um, can can sometimes give the wrong impression of of the UK and not make it good for us. You're right. Um, there'd be a real temptation to have duvet days, wouldn't they, for all of us? Yes, yes. If we, if we listen to too much of that. Absolutely. So in terms of growing exports, Steve, you know, there, there are different sort of channels, different routes to market. Distribution networks, would that be, you know, a, a good way for businesses to, you know, expand globally in the first instance? Or I, I guess it's horses for courses, but, you know, you can go and try and, you know, sell direct and have these various uh, sort of channels. But, you know, a, a, a good distribution network for your products it works well for some businesses, but I guess it's not a you know it's not a one size fits all. But what's your what's your take on on distribution networks? Um, my take is that when I started um, as an exporter, you were pretty much reliant on how good your agent was or how good your distributor was. Uh, without going into it in a long answer, yeah. you sell through an agent and you sell to a distributor. So technically, if you're selling through an agent. They're the one that's charged with finding all the customers that you then deal with and pay them a commission. And if you're a distributor, you're selling to the distributor and they're selling it on to uh, all of their end users. You, don't, you did that because you couldn't find out about anybody else going back all those years. Now you can find out so much more. So you can now find, you can have multi-channel marketing and sales methods. So you could be finding an aircraft manufacturer or an automotive manufacturer yourself. And uh, that, that can be found and you can develop a relationship with them. So there's the potential to deal with the end users of any product yourself. Or they might say, well, we've already got 3000 suppliers. We don't want another one. And we don't want to have to deal with the import regulations and the logistics. Yeah. So they, they might prefer to deal with a local distributor. And um, so you sell to the local distributor who then sells to all the, the manufacturers. Yeah. Um, you can find distributors of other products or suppliers of other products who might have their own office in different parts of the Gulf or the Far East. And you might want to add your product to their range. Or, you know, you can sell online with, if you're in a supply chain, uh, people who want to buy nuts and bolts or uh, different things of that you can get in so my point is you can have multi-level routes into market nowadays all of which you can check out your your competitiveness for yeah before without doing too much work um so it has opened that up as has opening up your own office to send somebody out there to do the selling on the ground for you or to set up in a free zone where you might want to part finish your product sell it into a free zone which means you can import it for free 
Yeah. Then you could finish it yourself in there, which would give you product advantages and still be able to send all of your money back into the UK. So lots of lots of opportunities now, which didn't exist before, courtesy of us. Peter Kay says Tinternet and uh, and being able to do face-to-face -face calls on WhatsApp or Zoom or Teams yeah. or whatever, yeah. Uh, which I have to say only supplement the fact of you going and meeting them in person first and, uh, yeah. and getting to know somebody really well, which covers you and will help you more than anything legally in terms of your IP, your intellectual property, yeah. or being paid uh, and things like that. So... Um, all of that is still applies. There's ways of protecting all of that. Um, but yeah, lots of multi-level approaches to marketing and to selling in, in every country in the world. So how, I mean, sales and marketing, you know, for, for, for any business is, is absolutely intrinsic. You can't, you can't have a business without sales and marketing, but how, how does the approach need to differ from say a, a UK manufacturer who purely, you know, their customer base is, is in the UK. Um, how does the approach need to differ for, you know, when you're, when you're trying to build an international business? Because, that, you know, companies here in the UK that might have multi multiple channels and multiple routes to market. But when you change the geography, you know, you've got different cultures, you've got different uh, rules, regulations and all the rest of it. How, how does the, the sales and marketing approach differ or, or, or does it not differ? what's what's your what's your thoughts on that it's a little bit more complicated for sure if you were dealing in europe or a language or a country where english wasn't one of the business languages you've got mm. you've got language and communication issues but my experience of working in the far east and thailand and and all of those is you can normally find a way of communicating um for sure you can check whether whether they're working on different standards, whether it's US standards, Canadian ones, uh, EU standards and things like that. But again, I'll point yeah. out, you can find all of that out before you do it. And there are ways of guaranteeing you get paid and there are ways of being able to calculate how much the cost of your product is going to be delivered to somebody's door. Don't expect somebody to be able to calculate or accept. If you're quoting... Pound sterling X works Wensbury because with respect, they might not know where it is. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a great way of looking at your product, your sales and your marketing from an international perspective. Can somebody understand it? Can they, can they understand it technically? Can they understand it language wise? And can they understand it culturally? Because your success is going to be determined by that. Yeah. So, you do have to look at it from those methods. But again, people like me can help with it. When we went with a company that I program director for, uh, we got a program in with the Thai government called the International Internationalization and Innovation Driven Enterprise Program. The first, the main query and doubt that the Thai government department had was, could the companies understand sufficient English to get in to to understand us and to take on board what we were we were showing them how to do but fundamentally th those companies needed to do that to be able to increase their sales in america and the gulf and other parts of the far east anyway there are some challenges 
But again, you can understand those when you start. Maybe you want to do a, a different language. Maybe you want to have a foreign language capability on your website, just as a courtesy to those people to understand it. Yeah. Um, but uh, your approach does need to be different. Uh, you do have to allow for time differences. If you're at, if you really really want to work with a with a company that could have a major impact on your business, and you know those people are in the office at between nine and ten o'clock in the morning, then it's no great shakes really honestly to get up at two or three o'clock in the morning and get psyched up and do your preparation, and it it, it occurs to them at the same time. Hang on. This guy's really interested in working with me because it's 3 a.m. Yeah. Where he's calling them. Or he's calling me at 8 it's calling me at 8 p.m. in his office because it's two o'clock in the afternoon my time. And he wants to contact me at a place that that works better for me. Um and actually it's quite a thrill. Yeah. Um and it's part of the relationship building with people overseas. Um, so all doable, but you're right. We do have instances of, well, you feel so good because you're doing your first order in America, but if you're not prepared to talk to them or accept calls at that time of day. I know you've recently teamed up for a collaboration with Lucinda O'Reilly, Steve. Um, yep. Lucinda's at the International Trade Consultancy. I, in fact, I met Lucinda at the Mac exhibition back in April, I think, at the NEC. So can, right. you, can you tell me a little bit about what that collaboration is exactly? It's an entirely informal collaboration at this stage. I work with people strategically, and after 30 or 40 years, I've had to learn everything about international trade. But like in any business, there is stuff which you're less, less enthusiastic about doing. And when Lucinda and I were talking, you're right, you mentioned it earlier, people need to know about uh, standards, they need to know about import duties, they need to know about logistical issues which can make things more competitive or not. Um, they need to know whether there are certain parts of a certain country where there are issues and things that you need to comply with. Without boasting, I know quite a bit about those, um, but it doesn't get me too excited. It's one of those pain in the bum things that I need to do to get yep. a really clear picture for a prospective client as to whether we can compete in those markets. And um, talking to Lucinda one day and I was introduced to her, you mention any of those things to her and she says, oh, that's fantastic. I love looking at the standards for um, a manufactured product in India. Yeah. And I love checking on whether I can whether I can reduce the amount of import duty somebody pays and things like that. But she's really not that keen on routes to market, sales, marketing, market intelligence on things. Uh, so she said, hang on a minute, you like the things and have the contacts uh, in some of the markets which I don't have. And you love doing the things that I don't like. You know, I'm not a great fan of doing and yep. I said, it's the same the other way around. And that's what it is. So what it does now is if somebody is thinking of exporting for the first time or they're wondering how to improve, how to get more out of their markets, then they can have a cup of tea, ideally face-to-face -face or virtually with both Linda, Lucinda and myself. Yep. And 
they'll get a whole load of different questions and a whole cumulative answers to say that and the expression we both use is i'd like to think if i was you i would do this this or this or yeah. i wouldn't do this this or this and so between us we're smart alex and we know about these things or with a little bit of research we can come back and say yes you will be able to compete in these markets we can find a way of reducing the import duties and the ways of getting it there um, we can find out who you might be competing against. Or from my perspective, here are some routes to market. Here's the way we can do it. Here's, here's some media which we can raise awareness on. Here's the way that we'd raise awareness of it. So it's an informal collaboration on the basis that with her and with somebody else in my business world who's really strong on European languages and European culture. Yeah. Uh, we should be able to make sure that we can really help somebody get into a market faster or improve their market penetration in it. So uh, so what, what are your plans for, for next year, Steve? What what's on the what's on the horizon? Yeah, so the plans for next year are to help more people to do more things overseas so that they share my thrill, they share our thrill, and they have more money coming in from overseas than they ever did before and more products going out there um so i don't mind what the product is it's great if it's manufactured or part manufactured yeah. in the uk it can be a service uh, i'm working with companies in australia uh, helping them get into the middle east somebody from dominica i'm helping run a program for the thai government so uh if they can all do it, then the UK companies can do it. In the UK, I'm helping people improve manufacturing productivity overseas. Um, an executive magazine, um, some metal manufacturers, without insulting them, a furniture manufacturer, a company that makes textiles. It really doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. And we're not looking for large global market share. For the same reason before, uh, it can be a small first step and it can fundamentally change your business. So Thanks, just man. just really to finish up, I, I know you host the Business Hour on Friday afternoons at Black Country Radio, which is your other, uh, I suppose, passion project, um, because I know you do the business side. You do a bit of sports presenting as well. And when we met a, a few weeks ago, we were having a, a chat about the footy and um, how, you, how you get involved in that. So how important is radio these days to, to local businesses? Radio sometimes is, is seen, and I listen to the radio occasionally, even, even these days, but it, it's sometimes seen as a bit of an old school thing, but it, it, you know, we still need it. But from a business point of view, how, how important is, is radio to, to local business? I'd like to think it's increasingly important. The idea was to show that our, our business world is different to the to the business world that you hear on mainstream media. Yeah, um, there was a strategy to it. Ninety five percent of the companies in the UK are small and medium sized businesses. They're not PLCs. They think differently. They work differently. And we've got some brilliant companies in the UK or locally that can help them out without them needing to buy it from overseas. Yeah, and those people can talk in their own language. Or, could even be in black country language. Uh, so I started doing a show, became a presenter by accident, and uh, 
it's three hours every Friday afternoon uh, where there are four, five or six conversations in each hour with music in between to break it up. And I have people talking about manufacturing. I have people talking about sales, marketing, HR issues, social media, finance. Every Friday, people like Mark Weymouth and people like uh, Joe Reynolds and some yeah. of the people in our business world send me business news, send me manufacturing news, and I put it to audio. And five till six on Black Country Extra, uh, you can hear that. Uh, you can also hear manufacturers and other business people on my show from one till four. All of the experts, including the chap called Jeff Beecham, who's coming on in November, um, will happily um, share their expertise and will happily help any anybody with anything, whether it's I've got this problem or I hadn't thought of doing that. Yeah. Um, can you help me? And you can have cups of tea with any of them. And it's my way of trying to get our business world staying positive, working harder, working better and using local people who they can say, I'm a bit embarrassed. I should know this as managing director, but can you help me with this? Yeah. And we all will. Um, so yeah, to, uh, to, I don't know when this is going out, but tomorrow we've got uh, Sam Bainham from the Conex portal. Yeah. Which you I and know, I Sam. contribute to. Um, we've got Pete Francis of MATL who helps people improve their production and their manufacturing and efficiencies on that. Um, we've got Gareth Jones from Incom talking about apprentices and, and uh, all of all those apprentice opportunities in manufacturing. And we've got someone who won one of the Incom Apprentice of the Year awards. Uh, Brilliant. Who's, uh, a female apprentice working in manufacturing. So... Um, those will be available live. They'll be available seven days. Or if anybody wants to hear them again, uh, I'll gladly send them a copy. So it's my way of showing that our business world, if we all work together, uh, we pick each other up when we're, when we're feeling down. Yeah. Uh, we find solutions to people and help people do things. Uh, then, um, and you're part of that world, and um, you know it's great that we're all part of it. And uh, let's see how how hard we can all work together and and get people making more and selling more and improving their sales and marketing and their products. Um, and uh, let's see what an impact that can make. You're doing a fantastic job. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Steve, it's been a great uh, discussion today, and I look forward to catching up with you shortly and seeing you over at Black Country Radio over the next few weeks. So thanks very much for coming on. That really wraps up today's episode. So I hope the audience have enjoyed today's uh, discussion. Thanks again to Steve Parker. Thank you for listening and look out for the next episode of Insights for Manufacturing. See you next time and bye-bye.